Flyby34. Um, this is from email. I am very excited about Joe's books. I am curious whether um, another good book like First Light or Scotland's Mountains could be expected in the near future. Um, obviously, hopefully a good book. A good, <laughs> a good book, as opposed to yes. all those bad books I've done. Um, I, 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 well, I hope so. Uh, I've got, uh, I've, I've got two or three. Well, I've got, I've got two um, possibilities that are, are on the, as it were, on, not on the shelf. They're, they're actually in one of them's very much in in the process at the moment, which is uh, very exciting. I really don't want to say too much yeah. about them. I feel that uh, I, I'm absolutely passionately determined to do a book in the near future that's aimed directly, bullseye, straight at photographers, yeah. my, my, basically my peers and my contemporaries, rather than at a kind of slightly more amorphous, wider market, which Scotland's Mountains was actually, yeah. even though it didn't necessarily <laughs> succeed elsewhere, um, because I, I know that... Uh, that that I hope well I hope it will strike a chord, uh, and that and that's what I'm working towards at the moment is that, is actually that sort of book, uh, so it won't be the same as First Light in that it it won't be, um, it, it, it it I would say it, I'm trying to pitch it at a, uh, if you like a slightly more advanced level, I, I, not to be patronising in any way because I think First Light. I'm very, very proud of it, what it did. But it was, it was aimed at quite a sort of general uh, photographic level. But I would like to, I hope, to do something that's, a, that's, if you like, more of an artistic statement. And that's, uh, that, that A, is a, a chance for me to make a statement. And, and that I, you know, hope might inspire other people to, to think, you know, that that's something that they could do too. So this is... That has the narrative element like First Light about photography and the photographic process, but has the artistic... A little bit more than that, I would say. Yeah. So rather, whereas First Light deals very specifically with the, with the process, to go back to the process and creativity yeah. side of it, uh, quite close to the heart of, of the book, um, this, I think, will, will, will tend to be more... Uh, w there will certain be, certainly be elements of process in it, but it more towards the, the kind of feeling, thinking, creative, and that the words will probably be more of a, an accompanying, accompanying uh, narrative that, that is parallel yeah. rather than an explanation Direct or a description of, of what's going on. And, and not everybody will like that. I know that. Yeah. I'm sorry... For them, but um, that's that's what I want to do because I, I think that there's I feel that I've yet to really do that kind of book, and I, th I think that I'm ready to do it, and and I think it's important that I do, even if it doesn't succeed. Um, Daniel Fascia asks, um, tell us about the process of making the annual calendar, selecting images, preparing them for print, etc. Well, the the process is um, thanks for that, uh, Daniel. The the process very, uh, very much is uh, it's a collaboration. Uh, it, it is in the sense that this is a a piece of work that is intended to give people pleasure, uh, the uh, predominantly local, yeah, and 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 place recognition. But at the same time, hopefully, to inspire them to maybe see their landscape in a new way. So, I'd like to think it's what I do. 
what I do locally and do best locally. Um, because it's a collaboration, that means it's done in association with my colleagues at the gallery. Uh, I usually draw up a short list of 20 to 30 images and then we go through them together and then sometimes my colleagues tell me that what I've done is not good enough and they need two or three more to look yeah. at or we, we, we realise that we're one or two short and I'll go back to the files and, and work again. It's become more difficult recently because we now have uh, we work from an archive. I'd like to say, I'd, well, these are all the pictures I did last year. Well, of course, it doesn't yeah. work like that because yeah. to get a nice balance and we always try and make the picture reflect the month. Directly seasonal. Very much yeah. so. I, I feel that's, that, that is fulfilling expectation. That's, you could say, not creative, but I think that's only fair. I think that's, a, that's part of, of giving something, people something that, that gets them in a mood you know, for the time of year and, and that they'll enjoy and, and, and isn't necessarily a jarring note. It would be very odd to have a snow-covered picture in July and, and vice versa yeah. sort of thing. So, but no, no abstracts in, the, in that same way, apart from if they are Well, you're, you're an interesting point because I have put some detail images in the calendar before. I think you can go down that road to some extent, yeah. but, but you have to say that if you're trying to appeal to a, a very broad market, generally speaking, people think landscapes have skies in them. <laughs> so yes. we generally we generally do concentrate on pictures of that kind. And blue ones, generally. Uh, that I definitely differ from. Uh, I think, yeah, people do like blue skies, but we have lots that are not Absolutely. blue skies. Omar Hakmed says, uh, or Witchwood Images, who's on Twitter, says, if you had a weekend trip in winter to choose between Glencoe or Cairngorm, which would you choose and why? Well, th this is assuming that we've got perfect winter conditions, yes. <laughs> probably. Let's say we had a uh, winter from like a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's a it's a really nice question because it, it makes you think, oh, wow, I'd love to go there. But then again, I'd really like to go there. Mm. Uh, it's a bit like choosing between paradise and heaven, isn't it? Oh, yes. Uh, it, it, photo please. Photographically speaking, um, Glencoe gives gives you the the wonderful mountains, beautiful shapes, um, stunning in in so many ways. However, uh, the Cairngorm gives you uh, it's a much more remote area. It tends to be colder, so you know on a given winter day, uh, you could you could very likely expect it to be a degree two or maybe even three or possibly more colder than Glencoe because of the, uh, the fact that it's inland away from the influence of the ocean. And therefore, the ice uh, prospects might well be better. Uh, it also has magnificent Caledonian pines uh, in, uh, in all sorts of interesting areas. The mountains are not nearly as, as backdrop and not as spectacular. Uh, not as abundant, well there's plenty of them, it's just that they're, they're like large hills. Yeah. Uh, but I think as a, uh, as, uh, as a place to visit, the sense of remoteness is much greater in the Cairngorms once you get away from the road, uh, whereas it, it's hard to get that feeling in Glencoe because of the, the roads always nearby and because see. there's a lot of people. It's one of the bonuses of Glencoe in many ways is that there is so much accessible in such a small area. Mm but it's also a possibly negative point as well. Yeah, it can be. I mean, Glencoe's fantastic too because you've got, you've got Rannoch on the one side, Rannoch Moor, 
with with Glen Etive and and uh, Lochleven and uh, right down by the shore. So the, it's an awful lot to go on. But I think that if I was being in my purest state of mind, because of the the extra serenity, sort of serenity and solitude, and the the fact that it's likely to be colder, I would probably go for Cairngorm. Um, Russell Barnes raises an interesting one. Um, what does Joe consider to be cliched photography, and does it even exist? So I suppose the question is, what is a cliche in landscape photography? Does it? Oh, does it even exist? Uh, I think it only exists if you think it exists. Uh, if we're going to get real, we must get too philosophical. Um, yeah, very quantum answer. Yes. Uh, I, I've got to be honest. I do. Th I personally would say it probably does exist because I think that there's a, there, uh, cliches are a, a useful way of describing work that whether of whatever artistic back bent uh, mm -hmm. that that we think of as unoriginal and derivative. Is that a fair description? Yeah. Uh, of cliched. Yeah. Don't uh, der derivative. I don't know. I think it would be. Yeah. I mean, I. I I've thought about this, and I think I think it comes from. I'm, I thought of it from the point of view of why it happens, and I think it happens because people have a um, a library of images in their head that they think make good photographs, as in this is a photograph, and that might be a visual technique, a visual style, or or a place photographed in a particular way, and I think many people look around the landscape when they're scouting for images and if they see something that fits in that mental model they'll take the picture. Now inevitably because it has a strong connection with something that already exists mm. um, it will be likely to be derivative in some way. However there is probably a, a distance between directly derivative and influenced by working with a genre mm. and I think it depends on the strength of the photograph. If you work within a a style, but with the content and composition that brings something new to it, then, then it, it, yes, it may have a derivative component, but it can still succeed. And I think it's you've mm. got to add something to the cliche to make it not a cliche. If, there, if you are photographing, yeah, you yeah. mentioned this in terms of locations. Yes, uh, yes, because I think that locations are often perhaps associated with what we might call photographic cliches, but of course you should be able to go where you want and, and feel that there's a photographic challenge there that is going to provoke your creativity and, uh, and, and that you can do something that's truly yours. And I think that I still think that's true, however well-known a location may be. Uh, clearly, if you go somewhere that, that you've never been to before and you've never seen pictures of, then you're not likely to make a cliché picture. But you could still make a cliché picture if it was... You know, if it, if it was truly uh, predictable and 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 use no kind of personal sense of connection. Another way to think of it is rather than saying is this a location-based thing, is to say that is this a a process-driven thing. The cliche. Um, it's a tricky one. When when I was younger doing travel photography, uh, I I used to photograph the a lot of places that were very very well known, like Mont Saint Michel is a good example in France. Very you know, I think the most yeah. visited single place in France outside of Paris. And I was determined to photograph it in a really exciting way that I believe wasn't cliched. And I managed to do that one day by arriving there when there was, there was a really fantastic storm system passing through the area. And 
kind of low winter sunlight with really powerful clouds and so on. And to me, that was really exciting, and I was pleased and excited because it was a cliched subject, but it wasn't. I didn't think it was cliche treatment. Well, now you could probably say it, was, it would be cliched because that's what everybody would do. Yeah. Uh, so it's very difficult to separate those those sorts of considerations out. Um, but I actually think that that the photographer uh, themselves can make it uncliched by by making a picture with a real sense of excitement and 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 originality. Uh, it's the. And that must come from within, and I think you can usually see that if if that's worked. I, I think that for many of us, and I include myself in this, too often we're driven by a feeling of, you know, we think a picture should look a certain way because other people like that, or because that's. I know particularly that's true in a club scene, um, and I'm always trying to, you know, urging that anybody who's interested in improving their creativity to try not to be influenced by what you think the judges yeah. are going to want to look at because that's not actually what it's about yeah. at all. So uh, it's a difficult one to answer, uh, but I think there probably is cliché photography and uh, it's, a, it's a matter of, it's a state of mind uh, I think, I think that determines it's it. It's difficult sometimes as well because landscape photography is a pleasurable occupation that people enjoy doing. And sometimes people just want to go out and photograph something they, they enjoy seeing. Um, so there shouldn't be anything wrong with taking a photograph that's a cliché, but it, it's, it's what they're trying to say with it. I if totally agree. No, I, I totally, it's not that it's immoral or unethical mm. or anything like that. It isn't. It's an enjoy, as you quite rightly say, it's enjoyable. I think the only problem with it becomes when, if there's a, an attempt to... The, the kind of uh, well, either when you enter it into competitions, I mean, we've seen that happen. Yeah. Does happen? Then it then it becomes difficult because you're asking judgment, and then judgment will inevitably yeah. arise uh, yeah. in all sorts of ways. So, yeah, it's important to keep that into perspective. Um, Richard Hurst asks, "Any chance can I borrow your gear for a trip?" Um, well, I hope I you're feeling strong, Richard. That <laughs> <laughs> There's quite a lot of weight involved. Um, I guess the answer is no, but. <laughs> Get in touch with Joe directly for an honest answer. Absolutely. Uh, Charles Twist asks, um, both Joe Cornish and David Notton have surrounded themselves with staff who do their PR. Is this business model more likely to make a good income for two than the model where a single person covers all chores? Thanks. I've got this image uh, that, that Charles has come up with here of, of us sort of uh, sitting with our cigars in a, in a room surrounded by... By staff, <laughs> just waiting to do our, our wishes. Butlers. Oh dear. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an amusing image. Um, a misconception on your part. A, I think it's a very, very far from the truth. Um, I, I mean, Dave uh, has a, a kind of is pr perhaps more willing to think of of his arrangement in that way, in that he. Uh, I mean, I've I've heard him say, you know, he has a he has a team, and he does have a team, and and that they support his endeavour. I can't speak for him, but um, so yes, in a way, that's fair enough for Charles to think that. Uh, in in my case, I have I have a connection with a gallery of which I am a director, um, but the gallery is is not there specifically to do my PR. I just want to emphasise that point. It's there to to be a business, and it's. It is completely independent from me, 
and it's important that it should be so, yeah. uh, and and that it's seen in that way. And it's, it, it, it's it, I can tell you, there's not that many people who work there, um, uh, including part timers. It's about six, yeah. um, you know, and the people come and go during the week, and they do they do their best. But uh, it's not about doing PR for me, although that's an outcome of it, obviously, at yeah. times. And uh, and of course, I'm very grateful for that, and and every I'm very grateful for the team there that do the work that they do. Having got that out of the way, um, the the question is, is the business model more likely to make a good income? Uh, I, I would, I think clearly it's a matter of of who uh, of who you are and and how successful you run your, successful you run your business um, in. Uh, it, it also depends on the state of the economy. It's, really it's about capabilities as well, because David Norton is making videos. Mm. Um, he's, he's maintaining a website which has software development costs and uh, mm. editorial costs, etc. Yep. Um, and in the background, he runs workshops that when he's away, somebody has to answer the phone, etc. So he, he can't do everything himself. I There's very few people out there who would be able to do all that. I agree. Results. I mean, I think that the uh, I I, no, I totally agree. I think if you're going to have a, uh, I mean, a very typical model for photographers is photographer and wife, photographer and husband, and that often works where the the other half does the yeah. a lot of the legwork and they and they support support you. And, and that's true for me to a large extent. Jenny does, uh, you know, lots. She doesn't do everything clearly, and but but she does her bit. And I'm sure that most photographers will recognise. There's a lot in that. Uh, I, I think um, my personal view is if you are really, really well organised, uh, the best way to do it would be to employ a full-time uh, all-rounder who is both PR person, personal assistant, Business. agent, yeah. uh, uh, editor, yes. uh, and Bookkeeper. so on. Uh, yeah, um, male or female, whatever they're, you know, uh, whatever is appropriate. Uh, but it's much to do, more to do with the person uh, than than what what gender they are, obviously. Um, and but who has your interests totally at heart, and who will benefit from you doing well? Yeah. Uh, I think that's a, the smallest team you can manage. It's probably the most, and, and therefore the best way. But if you if you work completely alone, it is really really hard. Yeah. It's really there's far too many things to do. And, and if you're having to look after PR as well, uh, then very few people, I think, are really good at PR on their own without having somebody to bounce off anyway. Yeah. Uh, and, and therefore, that's you know kind of essential. I, I, d I think, like so many, probably the vast majority of endeavours, you know, that, that there are if you, you you can't work in isolation, and this is no exception. David O'Brien. Regular on landscape reader, what would Joe count as his photographic achievements for 2012? <laughs> Can we pass? <laughs> we haven't got to the end of 2012 yet. I, I mean, I, f I tend to find that the year goes by so fast uh, and it's so, been so dense that um, I, you know, the, 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 you kind of almost forgotten the beginning of the year by the end of it. Instead of achievements, high spots probably. High points. Sometimes the high points are, are just simply shared experiences that aren't necessarily even that photographic. I, you know, we, we, you know, I did the, the advanced workshop with David a couple of weeks, three weeks ago now, I think, uh, 
which was fantastic. You know, it's a high point for me each year. I, I love it. I love the people who come, and we have a great time. And um, it it was great photographically as well as it happened, but it but you know not necessarily for me personally. So, uh, but no photographic high points. I, I think that I probably did have a couple of sessions in South Africa where I I was really excited, yeah. really excited, and uh, what, whether what I did was any good, I think it's far too early to say, but uh, that, that, that was exciting. I, I had some moments right at the beginning of the year w with you in uh, Westeros, which were, for me, were really special, really exciting, and uh, which I, I definitely put them up there. There's been an awful lot of this year has gone by where I've been just trying to deal with just carrying on, carrying on, as it were, uh, where I, I haven't really uh, perhaps achieved that much photographically, although I've shot a lot of photographs. Uh, I've done some work for uh, for the National Trust as well this year, which I've enjoyed doing. But um, gosh, yeah, I think probably if I if I had to pin down one thing, well, I'm quite ha quite happy with some of the things I did in Ladakh actually. Yeah. But but that wasn't a photographic trip, so it no. seemed a bit uh, well, the, um, ironic, if it were. The, the, if they were. the people pictures, the, the photographs you shot in the Hasselbach were particular, particularly inspiring. There's a couple of black and whites and mm. the large mountain shots yeah. from the valley. Yeah, thank you. Which hopefully we'll be able to show on the magazine at some point. Yeah. Uh, Sam Jones says, uh, do you ever suffer from photographer's block? And if so, how do you deal with it? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's it's an interesting point that uh, Sam makes because um, I think l most artists at one point or another will feel slightly unproductive, but it's writers but normally who suffer from yeah. blockers. And I think that's, that is actually, to a large extent, a uh, I think it, it, it's a, a byproduct of the nature of their medium. Whereas I think that if you you could argue if you paint or if you're a landscape photographer, you couldn't really have block because even if you even if you didn't know what you're doing you could still go out with your camera and sooner or later something is going to happen yeah and that's generally how i deal with it uh i've certainly had uh a lot of uh lows uh uh over over the years uh where i've not been i've not been particularly productive um and i've had periods where i've gone for a long time without doing anything very original and that that always, I, th I think after a while I start to realise that and I, I get, I get despondent and yeah. then then it gets worse and then, but you get yourself out of it sooner or later and I think the most the most important thing for me is that to deal with any kind of any kind of creative uh, impasse, the only the only solution is to go out and face it, uh, and and that and that is not that hard really. It was pick up your bag and put your tripod on your shoulder and go out. Do you think it's a, um, a common theme for good, in inverted commas, photographers or artists that they aren't happy with their own work on a regular basis? I think that it is, um, probably, uh, certainly among people I know, because if only because people who are really creative uh, are also really sensitive. And that, with that sensitivity, comes a heightened awareness, including awareness of your own failings and 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 uh, and weaknesses. And 
the weird thing about it is that it's very easy. It's in some ways it's easier to focus on that rather than on what you've done well. And and I, I think there's a there's a in fact an a, an unfortunate tendency for creative types to to be quite self-indulgent. You could say. In, yeah. in that way, um, we've all done it. It's partly because we like a bit of sympathy from our, you know, people surrounding us. Um, Self-pity, I, I think, is a, is not a constructive or creative state of mind. It's also, frankly, not really justified uh, in the case of most people who live in the West and and who have the, a roof over their heads. Contextually, yeah. uh, contextually, it is not justified. Of course, it's human. Hmm. It's natural and all of those things, but I think sometimes to put things into perspective, you know, it's important. And if you can, if you're feeling a bit sorry for yourself, and certainly I'm as guilty of, of that as anybody, and you, you need to get out of that state of mind. And yeah, you should. The best way I find to do it is to go out and walk. Yeah, works works for me pretty well every time. Um, and we have a final question um, from Ken Nolan, um, which is. On a recent visit to Joe's Galleries, the upper floors showed work from different photographers. How are these photographers chosen? Oh, well, okay. The gallery uh, has in, uh, recently uh, to um, well to make the building the building that we're based in is is a big one. Um, we're very very lucky to have it, but it's it's also been a burden of sorts because it's because there's a high maintenance cost, and you know we're trying to uh, we didn't buy it outright. We had a we have a mortgage that has to be so we needed to find better produce. Well, we needed to find an income. Uh, also, we had the we had the rooms and the space, um, and we but we essentially advertised the fact that these rooms were available for other photographers and and or artists, or indeed anybody, frankly, who yeah. who wanted to uh, to rent them off us. Uh, so it's no different to being. You know, a landlord with a bit of room that you want to, to rent out. Purely commercial decision. Yes, um, I wasn't involved in it, so Ken would really have to ask my my director colleague Johnny uh, the details if he was really interested. But there was, if he's wondering if there was a a, a long kind of um, process of um, of you know us sitting in judgment as to whether somebody's work was good enough. That that didn't that didn't come into it. We were being very pragmatic. And we're very happy for anybody who who took the the opportunity. Uh, I, I mean, I think if if their work had been hopeless, we we'd have had sort of second thoughts. Given but given a choice, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, to some extent, we were just grateful to to get get uh, people you've in. Got some good photographers. We have got some very good photographers, yeah. and they're, they're, you know, we we obviously hope that it, it's it's going to work out for them longer term. But you do have to take quite a long term view of it. Mm. One one final question. From from myself is you've been using a DSLR a lot more recently. You've got a D eight hundred. Yeah. Um, what do you think of it? I'm sure a few people are thinking about it. its Christmas presents, <laughs> either to themselves or if they have. Well, lucky them. Like the yes, exactly. Uh, I think that uh, anybody, if they read my recent uh, South Africa article, will have may have noticed that um, that I printed with the D eight hundred when I got back, having never made a print from the camera before. I'd used the camera quite a bit because I used it for assignments and you know delivered the images to clients and, and worked with a yeah. good response. Um, I I've got to say that for me uh, it, it's uh, it's the best DSLR I've used in terms of image quality. I mean maybe that's not a very surprising thing to say, is it? You know because it's the highest yeah. resolution. 
the colour's good, um, and of course it's still some way behind a medium format digital. But if you're talking native file size prints, 20, 20 inches by 14 inches, they're very good. Yeah. I, I hope they are. Well, I, you I, showed some at the. Um, I did. At, at Malham, and they they were very impressive looking. And and really the, I look at the camera, the camera's really good. I mean, my, I, it's going to be tough to to remember that I also shoot with a view camera because I've I've got so many kind of working methods now with the with the with the D800 that are view camera like. I I've got one PCE lens, yeah. my Bindicon. I've got the Myrex. Or I'm using the Hasselblad lenses with it, and, that, and it, it is like a miniature view camera. Yeah. Um, so it, in that respect, but it's also a lot more versatile than that, which is a, it's a superb tool. And, um, and a final one, is the 10.8 coming out? Like, well, it's been out a couple of times this year. I have, I'd like to say those are my biggest achievements of the year, but I don't think they were <laughs> photographically. Biggest, but, biggest yeah, sensor yes. of the year. Yes, certainly. Um, biggest sensor of the year. Um, and, and I've thoroughly enjoyed using it. I mean, it's fantastically exciting to use the 10.8. Uh, I, I certainly intend to get it out again and, and I hope that to do some more work with it next year. It'll probably be alternative processes and it'll be fun. I'm not, not really seeing that as, as what I do mainly but uh, you know, I feel it's a nice way of, of being reminded of A, my background in photography and also the uh, the traditions of the medium uh, and learning more about the about some of the traditions. And you did a day with a, an alternative printer, a photographer and alternative printer. Uh, and recently, this this is probably going to be out in issue four fifty three or fifty four. So we will probably have put the video up already. But I Great, Dave Chalmers. Yes, um, Dave's a, a very he's one of the few photographers I know who actually makes a living as a photographer, purely and nothing else but. Yeah. Uh, but he he's also. Uh, a very very good artist photographer. He has his own kind of agenda that he plows. Uh, that's very very individual, and uh, it's carbon printing, which not many not many people do. And yeah. he shoots ten eight, um, and uh, does does lovely lovely work with it. Landscapes, very kind of intimate landscapes. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's a superb couple of days with him. Well, have a look out for that in um, probably either this or last issue. So anyway, thanks, thank you very much for that, Joe. Pleasure. Thanks, Tim.